the beginning of my voice will be me saying I'm recording. Cool. How do I how do I see the seconds of time? How about we do this? Let's go to Google. Oh gosh. Type in time. <laughs> I'm so bad at technology. Oh, that's big time. It froze. Why the fuck did the clock freeze? God damn it. This is hard. We can do it. We can do it again. It's okay. Hello. Hello, Hello. Joe. How are you today? I'm good, Jordan. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. I'm doing well. I feel like I should know just because I'm a gay man and I feel like this is a very uh I feel behind on the times with this movie. And so thank you for choosing it. So now I'm finally like in the loop. I understand references and stuff that are brought up to me and I enjoyed it. I I enjoyed it. Uh, Do you want to give some history as to like why you picked this movie, why it speaks to you? Wait, which movie are we talking? I don't know which gay movie we picked. What, which one are we talking about? (laughs) We are talking about what happened to baby Jane. There we go. I think, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. So I picked this because I'm a, big Betty Davis fan and as a Betty Davis fan I've never seen whatever happened to baby Jane which I feel like is a crime just as someone who likes movies (laughs) and and you've seen it now right and yeah for my first time yes okay how do I put this I was like why have I been avoiding this movie why have I never like this is a great fucking movie this should be like on everyone's watch list (laughs) so I picked it because I love Betty Davis and it's so hard to see her be so fucking twisted. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you love Betty Davis? Like where did this, where did this interest come from? I feel like because she's not like, like a typical like beauty, like golden age of Hollywood. Like she's just kind of like, she's just Betty Davis, you know, (laughs) like now Voyager, I think was the first movie I saw her in was now Voyager. In like the beginning, she's super ugly. Mm-hmm. on purpose like she's supposed to be this ugly person who becomes beautiful right and i remember watching it with my mom i guess and i was like who's this ugly lady and mom's <laughs> like that's betty davis she's about to be betty davis <laughs> <laughs> and i don't know it's just fast because she's i don't know she never seemed to be uh she was kind of catty mm-hmm. and then obviously with whatever happened to baby jane she got even cattier with joan crawford yep I don't know. I just like her attitude from the limited exposure that I did get of her, uh, through this movie. I, uh, not that, not that she was limited in this movie, but like, this is really the first thing that I had ever seen her in. Mm. Uh, she really, you're right. She doesn't really give off like a Judy Garland vibe or anything. She seems very much like in her own kind of territory. Have you seen mommy dearest by chance? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You have. Yeah. I have not. No? No. I need to, though. So this, uh, another follow-up question is, have you seen uh, Feud, I believe it's called? It's a TV show. It's a miniseries. No. So Feud, I believe uh, Ryan Murphy directed it or created it. Uh, And normally I'm not a big fan of his stuff, but uh, I I don't know who that is. Ryan Murphy, he did did Glee and he did American Horror Story. Oh, okay. Um, I love American Horror Story some other shows uh but feud was one of the ones that he did and it's a mini series that is jessica lang and susan sarandon as joan crawford and betty davis i don't remember who played who uh this but is it's sounding sort of familiar like, yeah yeah it's it's it kind of shows their experience filming uh filming whatever happened to baby jane and like their relationship mm-hmm. i didn't actually watch it i saw like bits and pieces of it i think my mom had it on at one point and i just kind of caught it but watching this movie has made me want to watch both 
uh, Mommy Dearest and the show, because apparently in real life, Joan Crawford and Betty Davis are not friends. Like they, they're pretty oh, no. like, yeah, pretty brutal to each other. I've, I've heard. So I feel like such a weirdo because like, I'll be on the subway here in Philadelphia and like, you'll see people on TikTok, you'll see people like on their, on Instagram. And then I'm just on YouTube watching like Betty Davis, Joan Crawford, <laughs> like on the Dick Cavett show talking shit about each other. Nice. Just mashups of these. I'm like, this. I don't know why it's so entertaining to me that these old <laughs> women hate each other so much, <laughs> but it's so entertaining how much yeah. that, that they're just like, Oh yeah. And she was always late. We're like, Oh yeah. She's just, she's so unprofessional. Yeah. I saw a very, very brief clip of one of them saying like, Oh, you know, I should have won the Oscar. And if I won the Oscar, the movie would have made, 10 million more dollars and she was like you know telling people not to vote for me or something it's just yeah there's a lot of drama between these two it seems i was gonna say like you don't see a lot of rivalries i'm not gonna say like between women but like this type of rivalry yeah back then between women like i feel like it's such a it almost has machismo to it the way that they were <laughs> like assholes to each other yeah um, very cutthroat for sure yeah i forget i know the oscar story you're talking about and bancroft who was friends with Joan Crawford, she couldn't go to the award ceremony, the Oscars, I think. So Joan Crawford's like, hey, best friend, I'll accept the Oscar for you. And she's like, well, you would do that for me? She's like, of course I would, knowing that Betty Davis was also up for an Oscar. So Betty Davis is like, if oh I win, God. I win. If I lose, at least Joan Crawford didn't win. And then Joan Crawford fucking walks up on the stage. <laughs> That's so it's petty. So fucking petty. Oh my, oh my god, I love it. <laughs> I remember some of this stuff happening when I caught the bits and pieces of feud, but uh during production, Betty Davis had a Coke machine installed on set, knowing full well that Joan Crawford's husband was a CEO of Pepsi. Oh yeah. So petty. So petty, and I love it. And apparently during the kicking scene, there was a take where she actually kicked her in the head. Mm-hmm. Like for real, uh, it's just wild. It's just like, I don't think I realized all of this going into it. And even like knowing feud and the show, it never really clicked to me that this was the movie that they were referencing. There's some grit here for sure. And I saw mommy dearest. Like I said, I only saw this movie a couple months ago. Um, when I saw mommy dearest, it was in high school maybe. So I didn't even really know except for the references in that movie about this movie. So my whole going into this is a, I like Betty Davis B Joan Crawford is crazy. <laughs> so, <laughs> nice. so my whole, I was on the edge of my seat this whole movie. Cause I'm like, wait, I'm kind of sympathizing with Joan Crawford a little bit. And I don't feel like <laughs> I should be for that era of movies. It's like Hitchcock and this in terms of just visual suspense for me. And I, yeah, I can't even pinpoint it other than that creepy (laughs) dance. (laughs) Uh, There was a point when I was sort of like, uh, I need to really learn how to watch older movies like this. I think the exposition was just so heavy. Then like uh, when the two guys from the studio were talking and they were kind of going through like, Oh, you know, she has to be with her sister because of the contract. And I was like, Oh, this is like, we're really getting into some obvious exposition here. To your point. I think there are so many, it's, it's such an older cinema thing to basically be like, listen, I'm going to act out something very boring just so you understand what's going on. And then the last 
70 minutes of this is going to be what you need to watch. Like after, after you watch this movie a few times, you don't need to watch the first 20 minutes ever. It's again. true. It's very like, true. Yeah. You know, it's, it's almost like, like the scroll in star Wars, you know, <laughs> like after, after you've seen enough, you don't need to read the scroll. You kind of get what's going to happen or where you're starting from. Yep. Yep. The shot where it was, Jane was talking with Edwin Mm-hmm her back is to the camera he's facing the camera but on the last third of the frame is a mirror where you can see jane's face yeah brilliant i thought that was incredible for the listeners i'm I'm pretty sick right now um <laughs> so my brain is a little foggy jordan help me out who directed this movie uh robert aldrich aldrich robert aldrich yeah so yeah. robert aldrich um in this movie he is like the king of scale Every, like the scene like you're talking about in the mirror that she's just in the background in the mirror mm-hmm. and when she does the dance under the light bulb and she's going in and out yeah and um just even on the beach at the end spoiler alert i guess well this is kind of like a take three but, yeah yeah so on the end you're just hoping to see like her body on the beach and every time you can see her laying there you're like oh my god is she dead is she dead yeah is she dead so yeah, he just, I don't know if it was Robert Aldrich himself or if it was his cinematographer, but just, mm, just excellent yeah. scale in this. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say that it was lit in such a way that uh, angles and faces were very dramatic. And I, again, this, I think this comes with kind of learning that era of cinema, but um, it certainly seemed like a choice. Like things were very harshly lit. And I don't know if it was just because it was black and white and that just needs to happen in order for things not to you know, fade. Um, but I, I like the style. I like that kind of, it was like almost threshold in a way. It was so contrasted, but. And I don't know if you read, uh, Betty Davis did her own makeup for this. Really? No kidding. So she, so she had to, so she came up with this idea to do that like white, white foundation with the yeah. real dramatic, almost clown-like, almost kabuki makeup. Yeah. <laughs> And when she showed up on on set, Robert Aldrich said, "That's exactly what I wanted." Nice. Without knowing what she was doing, she's like, "Just let me try it out." <laughs> and it is on in black and white, and with the way the set is lit, mm-hmm. her face and Joan Crawford, who was super vain about her appearance, constantly <laughs> being told to take more, her makeup off because you looked mm-hmm. you look too beautiful. You're supposed to look tortured. <laughs> Their contrast between them and the literal contrast of the film Mm -hmm. it drives the mood of this but i also think they're supposed to live in a dingy mansion like their mansion is not supposed to be nice and new right it's supposed to look like they're living in the past i guess yeah lived in uh i love that in bits of the music you could kind of hear sprinklings of i'll write a letter to daddy like they made that into a motif Mm -hmm. also very genius and then i think this is something that i (laughs) Uh, I'm going to bring up a touchy subject here, but something that I missed in The Shining, I really loved seeing, (laughs) I loved seeing Jane's kind of very slow descent into madness. She did it in a way that I was almost wondering if there was something else to it. Like if, if we were just kind of being shown a weird side of the story where Jane really was the good guy. And she's not really this terrible person that she's presenting. Um, she just kind of seemed like a, like an asshole. Like she seems just mean. Right. Um, but it was, what well, it was the moment when 
she was holding Elvira back from entering the room. Mm-hmm. And she had this, she like reverted back to like being just a bratty child. Like you, she just became this, this child who was having a tantrum. And I think that moment and then moving forward, she just kind of fell into that. And she just became that baby Jane again, which was incredible. Like that, I think that was really, really smart. And it worked really, really well in this movie. To, to your point, there's definitely fracturing that happens in her mm-hmm. psyche. It, yep. It's not like The Shining where, and obviously I guess difference of opinion, we could say. <laughs> but The Shining is like, you know, like heating up a kettle. This is like chiseling marble. Like she's just falling off in hunks yep. into yep. insanity. And I Absolutely. think, yeah, and it works so well in this. This is a, a little bit of a departure, but have you seen the show Atlanta? I am familiar with it. It is on my list. I really want to see it, but I have not watched it yet. I've only seen like five episodes and I hate four of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> but there's one episode that I watch once a month and it's called Freddie. It's called, Teddy Perkins, Freddie Perkins, one or the other. Mm-hmm. It is watch it first. Trust me, it it has it's not going to spoil Atlanta at all. Okay, it's watch it compared to um whatever happened to Baby Jane, and you will be blown away. I was watching it with my roommate, and I wasn't really that interested in it. So she's like, "Let's watch this one. Let's watch this one." But then Freddie Perkins, Teddy Perkins, whatever, is episode like five in season two. And it's kind of it's kind of a standalone. It's not part of the plot. Okay, cool. I will do that because I think truly this movie has uh, really like I will probably watch uh, Mommy Dearest at some point this week and pick up Feud. Um, it's, I, it's perked my interest for sure. I don't know why, and I don't know if it's considered a genre or a trope. It probably is because it's kind of haunted housey. Two siblings living in a derelict house. Is just I don't know I it it tickles my horror soul. <laughs> it's like Teddy Perkins, whatever happened to Baby Jane, Gray Gardens, great. What? Why can't I think of the name? I was going to. It is great. Uh, uh, Edie, Edie, and um, mm-hmm. I think it's just called Gray Gardens. It's Gray uh, Gardens, right? Yeah, the Kennedys. Yeah, yeah, yep. Or Kennedy adjacent, yeah, the, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, that it just it makes me like oh, I'm so interested. <laughs> What are you guys doing in there? You know, I would sign up for a film course if that was the topic. Two nice. two siblings in a derelict house, a course. I'm signed up. I'll pay you cash. Um, <laughs> so, like, the house has to be a character in in some regard for this to work for you, right? I mean, if it was a nice house, I guess it could work if it was like a nice house. Gotcha. But I th- I think it has to have some resilience. Mm. Like in whatever happened to baby Jane, obviously it's a big plot point selling the house and yeah. who, who bought the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to sound like I glossed over something, but, um, Oh, you mentioned not knowing who to believe at first. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I had that exact same thing. Cause I'm like, did I miss something in the exposition that like maybe Joan Crawford is the bad one? Mm-hmm. And because I don't really know where this goes. And then when it came to like, at one point, she's like, no, I bought this house. Like, this is like baby Jane's money bought this house. Daddy, bought, mm. daddy bought me this house. <laughs> um, It was like, ooh, ooh, that was like, mm, it's like caramel to my soul. I was like, <laughs> yes, fight, 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 fight. 
Yeah. Uh, I remember writing a review for, I think it was the lodge where I listed off like movies that had great performances from siblings in it. And I'll have to pull that up and, uh, send some your way. Have you seen the lodge? No. Is it, do you mean like actual acting siblings or just sibling characters? Oh, I guess, uh, sibling characters, I guess not acting siblings. Gotcha. I have not seen the lodge though. It's, it's a, good one don't look up anything about it beforehand all right um you know i say it's a good one and then i realize that like i cannot pinpoint your taste in movies so you very well could hate it who knows Um, what's what's the genre is it a horror movie or suspense it's horror yeah horror thriller suspense for sure all all of the above um very scary is it Uh, um, um not to spoil anything but is it supernatural can you tell me or is it more realistic i can't okay that's fine tell you that uh i'm, I'm cool with that yeah i can't tell you that and but just, you'll find just, out why i can't tell you that when if you see it just for the um, record for for listeners i actually stopped looking at the screen so i couldn't see jordan's face to see if he was lying when he's like <laughs> or like to see what he was thinking i just looked away so i don't even know <laughs> if it is supernatural or not <laughs> You will you will find out why I can't answer that question when if you watch it. But uh, yeah, so it was that one. It was Psycho, but I can imagine you've already seen Psycho. Oh, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, I assumed so. I assumed as much. Um, it was. Have you seen the Bad Seed? The Bad Seed. No. That one is another really gritty. It's not siblings, but it's a horror child. Uh, that's uh, you know older, black and white, very gritty. Um, similar vibes to this movie that I thought you might enjoy. So, um, and honestly, legitimately, the other one was going to be Grey Gardens. I, I swear, I was like, oh, you know, two women living in a in an old house. This is perfect. It's very those vibes. Well, for a while, I was thinking, like, is this based off of <laughs> off of them? Like, someone just wrote this script. Like, hey, I heard there's these crazy Kennedy sisters. I knew it wasn't the other way around because Grey Gardens is a documentary, right? But yeah, I'm like, how does this, how does this happen that two stories come along that are so similar? So similar. Yeah. I mean, very different tones. One is very much horror. The other is just fucking hysterical and, uh, and just have, wild. But have you seen the documentary now episode making fun of? Great is that Gardens? where they parody it? Yeah, yeah. I it, it was a long time ago, but yes, I have seen it. It's 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 very good. Highly recommended. Yes. That yes. should be the in the final of the course on sibling horror movies <laughs> in Derelict Houses. It's so good. I'm going to ask your opinion. And I'll ask your listeners' opinion. Because I don't know how Take 3 listeners feel about me. Or even your your aunts, how they feel about me. Uh-huh. Um, so I want to know. There's a, a Lou Reed song called um, Halloween Parade. And he kind of lists off all these Halloween costumes. Okay. Um, that you would typically see, I guess at, you know, I don't want to say like gay bars, but you know, just kind of in the scene, the LGBT scene back in the eighties. Okay. Um, and one of the lines is, you know, there's an Alfred Hitchcock, there's a this, there's a that, but he says there's a Crawford Davis and a tacky Cary Grant. Now I don't know if he means like there's a Crawford, a Davis, and a tacky Cary Grant. But I'm thinking for my Halloween costume this year, 
doing a split down the middle, <laughs> doing half Joan Crawford, oh my God. half Betty Davis, uh-huh. and from whatever happened to Baby Jane. Right. What do you think about that? I Yes. Okay. 100%. All right. Would you, okay, now would you do like, would you try and grayscale yourself or would it be like a color version? I, I mean, the good thing is Betty Davis's makeup was so grayscaled. Right. Like in right. real life. So I think that could provide enough stark contrast and maybe okay. some, some, uh, some powder on the Joan Crawford side to look, make me look pallid. Nice. But you know, I'd have to get like two wigs down the middle. <laughs> cut cut two dresses together like this is gonna involve some some work i was gonna say you better start now like it, that seems very complex but if you can pull it off absolutely i am i fully support this idea what's funny is i don't go anywhere so i'm gonna have this costume <laughs> and just hang around my house and give out candy to children <laughs> children who have no idea what the references are <laughs> and their parents probably don't even have an idea what the references <laughs> Honestly, you know where you'd get a lot of like praise is go out to like the neighborhood dresses this. People would immediately know who you were. See, that's what I'm thinking. Like like maybe that's the scene because it's in that song and you mentioned that this is such a you said as a gay man to not know this mm-hmm. movie. What is the gay aspect of the Crawford Davis feud? I actually looked into this. It seems like it started with Betty Davis being like a gay icon. I don't think this movie specifically was the draw. I think Betty Davis was the draw. Like she was just a gay icon in general. I watch RuPaul's Drag Race and there are some older, more experienced queens on that show. Uh, There's a lot of gay history that's tossed around in that show as well. So I knew the name. I knew vaguely like the references that, that they brought up. Uh, but I never really fully understood the source. And I actually looked into this a little bit. I was like, what, like, why is this such a, a gay icon or like a gay draw? And there's a lot of controversy because other people had similar questions. Like mommy dearest got brought up and they were like, well, why is she an icon if she's this like terrible, abusive mom and this terrible person? I think it was more like, oh, you know, gay men try to, you know, find other struggling, strong women to, uh, find some kind of relatability there. I'm not sure. But I mean, she was a star in like what the sixties and seventies. Uh, so mm-hmm. I don't know. Times have changed. I I'm, I'm not sure, but I do know that there's a lot of history there that, that the gays love apparently. So. Cause mommy dearest was a, is kind of a cult movie. I would call it a cult movie. Mm-hmm. It seemed yeah. to always go in the same circles. The people who would talk to you about mommy dearest, talk to you about John Waters movies. Yeah. They kind of went yep. hand in hand. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it was like a, a drag thing back then because they were so similar in their aesthetic as well. Yeah. Like Mommy Dearest to me looks like a John Waters movie. Is it a John Waters movie? Oh, that's a great question. I'm not sure. I can look it up real quick. Frank Perry is the director. Oh, do you have it up? Okay. Mm-hmm. I get that though. Like John Waters is also obviously huge in the gay community as well. Um, right. So. And I think just like their way that maybe Joan Crawford is depicted as carrying herself in mommy dearest. Mm-hmm. Like she has a, an over the top elegance that I think kind of applies to drag culture. I'm not going to speak like I know anything about drag culture, but it just kind of has a similarity <laughs> to it that I could see idolizing the aesthetic and not the actions. That's what yeah. I should say. Yeah. I could see that. I could see that for sure. And Betty Davis just wore pants 
Like she used to get in trouble for wearing pants. <laughs> I think she was the one who the director said she's not allowed to show up in pants on set. So she started walking around in her underwear. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love that. I think that's fantastic. That's yeah. It's a baller. Awesome. Yeah. It's a baller move, right? <laughs> yeah. Before I forget, and I'm I'm really completely unrelated to anything we're talking about. Have you watched any films by or starring uh, Barbara Streisand? I mean, I think I've seen My Fair Lady. Like Turner Classic Movies is always on in my house, and it has been for okay. my whole life. I've seen My Fair Lady. I saw um, Stars Born. Oh, okay, yeah. If I I might not have finished it, but I saw it. But no, other than a few newer movies, maybe. Follow up. Did you enjoy them? I'm not a big Barbara Streisand fan. Never mind then. I think uh, kind of following this thread of, you know, famous gay icons and uh, women in Hollywood, I recently have been watching some of her films and uh, really liked them. So I was going to recommend them to you. But uh, if we're not a fan of hers, maybe not. I I shouldn't say like I'm not a fan. Like I avoid Barbara Streisand. It's just like she's never something I seek out, I should say. Gotcha. I'm sure there's gotcha. something, there's a Barbara Streisand movie that I will love. <laughs> I'm sure there is. Well, to you or to any listeners, uh, I, I've watched What's Up, Doc, mm-hmm. which was very funny, very good, very high anxiety, but a lot of fun. And then just recently, I watched uh, The Owl and the Pussycat. And that one, I think, might resonate with you more it's a bit of a slow burn. It's also kind of very fast paced at the same time, but it's a lot of like conversation. It's a lot of back and forth. I don't know why I thought of you. Is but... it because I have a song called the owl and the pussycat? Do you really? So there's a poem, the owl and the pussycat uh-huh. and Ed- an Edward Lear poem. And I recorded a musical version of it on my, my last album of music. Is that on like on your, it's on your last album? Yeah. 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 The oh, owl I feel like such a bad friend now. Oh shit. No, that's fine. So maybe you saw it like subliminally. Yeah, maybe you led me to this movie. <laughs> it's a great That's poem. Very funny. Well, nice. Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's about an author who meets a uh, a prostitute. Things get really crazy and wild. Yeah. Now that I know that you have a connection with with that title, I'd be very curious to know how you thought of the movie. I hope it. I hope it wouldn't spoil uh, your connection with with the poem. Oh, no, the owl and the pussycat as a poem is it's a nonsense poem. Um, okay. And so it kind of sounds like Alice in Wonderland, but it's also like kind of dirty and innuendo-y a little bit. Okay. <laughs> so the owl and the pussycat went to sea in a beautiful pea green boat. They took some honey and plenty of money wrapped up in a five pound note. The owl looked up to the stars above and sang to a small guitar. Oh, lovely pussy. Oh, pussy, my love. What a beautiful pussy you are. You are, you are. What a beautiful pussy you are. The pussy said to the owl, you elegant fowl, how charmingly sweet you sing. So let us be married. Too long we have tarried, but what shall we do with for a ring? So they sailed away for a year and a day to the land where the bong trees grow. And there in the woods, a piggy wig stood with a ring at the end of his nose. It's very jabberwocky. Yeah. And it's yeah. cadence, but it's also super innuendo-y and just weird. Now I want to do a take three on, on the Pussycat. <laughs> Thank you for introducing that to me. <laughs> when I'm healthy, I will do the take three with you. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Sorry for that detour. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to talk about with uh, Baby Jane? Everyone should watch it. I think it's on HBO Max right now. If you have HBO Max, that's where I watch it. It is indeed. And yeah, get into Betty Davis. Betty, Betty Davis will uh, she'll charm your heart. <laughs> She's a trip for sure. My introduction to like why I actually watched it 
because as mm-hmm. you guys know, I'm a little fickle with movies. <laughs> so sometimes like I'll see a movie and I'm like, oh, I really want to see this. I've heard good things. There is a guy on YouTube. It's called like Old Queen Movie Reviews. And it's this mm-hmm. older it's this older dude who uh, just reviews movies. And he's an old he's an old queen, I guess. Or classifies <laughs> himself as. And he's just kinda of a little bit over the top. And okay. he he sold me on I'll send you the link and then you can put okay. it with everything. He's awesome. He reviews like a lot of golden age cinema and it, he talks about costumery and everything like that. His name is Steve Hayes on YouTube, I believe. Nice. I will check that out. Um, did we want to move into the questions that I asked? I'm down for, for the questions. You. So I bring this up a lot in our other episodes about how much I love movies like Cat in the Hat or one you're more familiar with, Mouse Hunt, uh, which is still two amazing movies. Incredible. Near flawless movies. Uh, I would say. And <laughs> are there any movies that you feel the same way about where uh, it's a movie that you could probably understand that the general public might find silly or stupid or immature uh, that you will just defend to your last breath. I mean, those movies, the two that you mentioned, I think you guys mentioned Mouse Hunt on a podcast and I immediately texted the the three of us and said, <laughs> a world without string is chaos. It's chaos. Yep. Because that yep. movie is just, I saw that movie in theaters. Oh, <laughs> I... Like I blocked out a lot of my childhood. I remember seeing that movie in theaters. <laughs> I'm so jealous because I did not, but I I can almost guarantee that we wore out our VHS from just watching it so many times. Like that is a core memory movie for me. I love it so much. When I was growing up, um, when I was nine years old, we tore the roof off of our house and added two stories and it took us 12 years to finish it. Mm-hmm. So we lived in construction for 12 years and slowly built our house. For a good portion in the beginning, I was really excited for us to get a bathtub because I thought it came with a cardboard cutout of a lady. <laughs> oh my God. And not That's in, very funny. And not in like a perverted way. I was just like, what kind of lady are we going to get? <laughs> like, is it going to be the same lady as Mouse Hunt? Is it going to be a different lady? I love this so much because this is only going to matter to a very small portion of people out there. But like, I fully know what you're talking about. I used to like this movie taught me what capers were Mm -hmm. this movie. uh, It made me think that if you ate cockroaches, you would get a heart attack. And it made me so afraid of cockroaches. Um, God, so much that I learned from this movie that just (laughs) that makes me so happy that I thank you for sharing that memory with me. That is fantastic. (laughs) Absolutely. I think about Mouse Hunt whenever I'm doing construction. I think <laughs> I think about Mouse Hunt, I would say each project twice, twice a project, nice. which is a lot for a movie. Yeah. It's like the money pit and Mouse Hunt. <laughs> um, Anytime you see like a nail gun. It's, yeah. yeah right I was literally just, I was literally just about to say the nail gun when he's shooting it in the baseboard yep. and the mouse yep. is jumping over. I'm like, Oh, I hope a mouse isn't jumping over these nails right now. <laughs> Even though I built the walls. And I know that it's impossible for a mouse to be doing that. <laughs> that, and I'm always like, what if I hit like the vacuum cleaner and the sewage pipe? Oh my god! Oh my god! I've yep. I've I've walked into houses and called them the missing Larue. <laughs> I'm like, is this the missing Larue? Why didn't we do this movie? Oh my god! All right, <laughs> I'll, all right. In three days. <laughs> We're going to do the owl and the pussycat and yes. mouse hunt. Yes. 
and I'll yes. dust off my VHS because I have Mouse Hunt on VHS. Nice. I don't know if nice. I still have it, but I have it. <laughs> Ours is probably in a box somewhere. My parents just moved. Oh. Uh, so it's it's got to be in the storage box somewhere. But oh, my God. Oh, wait. So too are, funny. Are those your avocados? These? Yeah. They are. Oh, my gosh. How they, big they are. I know. They're amazing. Thanks. I, uh, I've gotten to a point, though, where um, I've gone too far. Oh. And I'm trying to like clean out my apartment a bit. So I have like all of these jars with just these avocado plants that I'm trying to pawn off on other people. They're just like scattered around my kitchen right now because I don't know what to do with them. But I mean, if I think you could just sell them on the side of the beltway or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, make some money. Yeah. Like an off ramp. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so Mouse, Mouse Hunt, Cat in the Hat also saw in theaters. Me and my friend Nick Oaks could quote this movie back and forth when it came out on the school bus, back and forth, like just <laughs> cat in the hat. We could just bounce lines nice. back and forth because it's so funny. It is. It is. Absolutely. And, you know, you step on a on a hoe. And, Dirty hoe. Yeah. I'm sorry, baby. I didn't mean that. Like that's <laughs> that was so not appropriate for children. Nope. Nope. <laughs> There's. I don't think there's ever been a kid's movie that you can grow with more than the cat in the hat. Because if you're nine, it's funny. If you're 11, you're funny. If it's 16, it's funny. Yeah. It's funny for so long. I could argue. I don't know if you agree with this, but I hope you do. And it's funny because it's, it features the same actor, but I I would argue that Shrek has the same effect. I will defend Shrek Mm -hmm. a lot. And I sent you that great movie. I sent you that TikTok about Shrek two. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> because I think Shrek Two doesn't get enough credit. I agree. I think the Shrek sequels in general don't. But that uh, Puss in Boots—is that a good one? Do you like that one? There's something about it that I find <laughs> so fucking fun. Like I could watch Puss in Boots right now and call it a great thing. There's see, I've seen I've seen the third Shrek, and it didn't it, it didn't seem as good to me as the last two. And then every sequel after that, I was like, eh, this just isn't the best. So I kind of stayed away from Puss in Boots. But if you recommend it, I'll give it a shot. It's such a good story. It's two siblings. <laughs> Is it really? Is it really? <laughs> no way. Not oh really. No, not really. But it's oh. <laughs> it's got that type of rivalry. Gotcha. If you haven't seen it, I can't tell you my favorite part about this movie. I mean, you could... Is it like, is it that big of a spoiler? It is. It's like the crux of the movie and it's Uh. hilarious. (laughs) I don't think it's meant to be like, I think for like a nine year old, it's meant to be like, oh, okay. But to me, it's the funniest thing. Let me watch it then. Let me watch it. Watch it back to you. Yeah. So do you know the premise of it? Honestly? No, I know that it's just Puss in Boots, the character. That's it. So it's Puss in Boots and Humpty Dumpty. They're in a rivalry and someone stole jack's magic beans from jack okay. from jack and the beanstalk right that's all i'm gonna tell you there's a whole okay. thing of it. people are looking for magic beans people are looking for the golden goose humpty dumpty puss in boots i don't remember if there's any other fairy tales but it's just funny you know like there's a bar full of cats and they're all drinking milk <laughs> but as far as like silly movie that means a lot to me that's not on your list is uh pirate radio Ooh, i've not heard of that so pirate radio it was originally released in england called the ship that rocked uh it bombed so it is based off the true story 
of in the 60s, it was illegal to play pop music on the radio in Britain. Interesting. At a time when they were churning out a lot of great pop music, like the Rolling Stones. and So these ships would dock just into international waters and beam the music in. (laughs) Nice. So the plot of this movie is a young man got kicked out of boarding school. His mom sends him away to live with his godfather, who is the program director on a pirate radio show. Okay. One of the DJs is an American. It's Philip Seymour Hoffman. Love it. Nick Frost. Love it. Is a DJ. Um, Bill Nye is the program director. Love it. <laughs> um, why can't I think of the guy's name? Chris O'Dowd is a DJ. Okay. Do you know Chris O'Dowd? No. <laughs> he's the um, he's the cop in Bridesmaids. He's the Irish guy. Oh, that yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So he, Love it. <laughs> so it bombed in England as the ship that rocked. They asked the direct, gotcha. they asked another director to take it over and he recut it and shot a few extra scenes and they released it in America's pirate radio. Interesting. I think it came out when we were about 18, 17. Okay. And it's the main character, 17, 18. Nice. So it's, it's kind of a coming of age story, but also just debaucherously coming of age in a fun, <laughs> playful way. Awesome. I'll give you one. One morsel of it, and it's they're playing soccer on the boat, or like outside, and yeah. there's it's like part of a montage, and the guy holds it up and he goes, "All right, everyone, this is our last ball," and he puts it down, and like three seconds later, someone kicks it overboard. <laughs> <laughs> nice. nice. And they're they're Love all just it. they're all just like, "What the fuck?" And then it breaks <laughs> to, um, the one guy who doesn't know how to swim. <laughs> and they're like he's like are you sure this is how you do it and they're like swing getting ready to swing him into the ocean the open ocean <laughs> and he's like yeah of course this is how i learned how to swim and they throw him in and he just immediately starts drowning oh my god and the, he goes <laughs> wait a minute maybe it only works for babies <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so oh, listener man. if that gets your attention watch pirate radio <laughs> It does sound very like silly and slapsticky, and I can I can get behind it's that. It's kind of like that, like very British, early two thousands British humor. Awesome, kind of awesome. Uh, this question I asked because I want to obviously add more movies to my watch list, uh, and I think this one, well, maybe it wasn't so much a hidden gem. Whatever happened to Baby Jane? Just because I feel like a lot of people do know about it, but is there a hidden gem movie that you think everyone should see, but maybe the general population doesn't necessarily know about? So I like The World According to Garp. Are you familiar with this movie? I'm not. Oh, do you know the author John John Irving? Uh, it rings a bell, but I okay. no. It's fair. He wrote Hotel New Hampshire, A Prayer for Owen Meany, The World According to Garp. A Prayer for Owen Meany was turned into a movie called Simon Birch. Okay. It is it's a fantastic movie. It stars Robin Williams and Glenn Close. Already sold. Sold, right? Um, John Lithgow, who nice. I who I have a feud with, he doesn't know it, but I I hate John Lithgow. Um, Interesting, but it's just a great story about a man and his mom, and how they interact with each other mm-hmm. as they both become famous. Ugh, it's just so good. It's so rich. I would tell you to read the book first because I know that's how you do. But, yes, but I'm telling you, you don't have to. You really don't because okay. the the book is so. The, watching the movie first only benefits you because the book is so dense. Gotcha. It'll carry you through the length of this book. I see. Is it a comedy? It's a dark comedy. Nice. Okay. 
So, for instance, there's a scene where they're looking to buy a house, Robin Williams and his new wife. Mm-hmm. And as they're leaving, they're like, it's great. We might put in an offer we don't know. An airplane crashes into it <laughs> and destroys the house, like the top floor. And like the pilot gets out of the plane, like all drunk. It's like a little airplane. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> folks. And Rob Williams tells the realtor, he goes, sold. And she's like, um, oh honey, what are you talking He goes, think about it. What are the odds of that ever happening again? We're, <laughs> we're safe. <laughs> uh, sound logic, I guess. That's, that's very funny. That's very funny. Yeah, like, what are the odds? <laughs> what is your favorite TV show? I feel like we don't talk about TV enough. So that's kind of because I'm not a big TV guy, although I have been watching a lot more really recently because i like a lot of comedy shit like i like it's always sunny in philadelphia i'm a huge fan of that and i'm a huge fan of house like the medical show yeah that's not still running is it oh no no okay um but those are kind of like i don't know i feel like comedy is so subjective it doesn't really matter what your favorite is yeah um i really like mad men mad men's one of the top ones i like horace and pete which is louis ck's tv show Mm. um if you're if you're down to watch a Louis C.K. thing, I know people are still very salty about him, <laughs> which is you know, do you? But it it's it all takes place on one set. It's single camera. There's no live audience, and it's just like a beautiful thing. It's, so it's Louis C.K., Steve Buscemi, um, who Edie Falco. Oh damn! Edie oh, Bryant. I love her. Edie Bryant, Haley Joel Osmond. Um, oh my god. Who is the the sister in Roseanne? Why can't I think of her name? Lori Metcalf. Yeah. Okay. It's it's Aunt Jackie, Lori Metcalf. Yeah. Um and Alan Alda plays an old racist, sexist, horrible human being. Interesting. Um, what is, a cast. What is this called? I've never heard of this. It's called Horace and Pete. So he made it he made it in complete silence. Like no one knew about this. Some some of the episodes are an hour, some of them are twenty minutes. Some of them are 45 minutes. It was so, so good. <laughs> when was this? When when did this all happen? 2017, I want to say. Wow, okay, recently. Yeah. And it was just like one season, like one group of 10 episodes? Yep. It's a linear storyline. There could be a season two, I guess, but it's pretty, it, it resolves. Is it streaming anywhere? It's on Hulu, apparently. Oh, nice, awesome. Another show is Baskets. I really love Baskets. It was on FX. It was Zach Galifianakis' show. Okay. Um. It was Louis Anderson. I'm not familiar with this either. Oh no! Oh, so mm-hmm. so Zach Galifianakis played twins. It was just him. <laughs> okay. And Louis Anderson, who recently passed away, rest in peace, Louis Anderson, um, <laughs> played their mom. <laughs> okay. But with no mention of like this is a dude dressed as a woman. <laughs> no, nothing. It was just you're just Louis Anderson playing the mom. That's it. And Louis Anderson crushes it. As, really? As the, so the premise of the show is Zach Galifianakis flunks out of French clown school because he doesn't speak French. So he, <laughs> okay. and he wants to be like a, you know, like squeak your nose clown or I'm sorry, that yeah, all, yeah. all he knows how to do is like, be like a squeak your nose clown, but he wants to be a mm-hmm. Commedia dell'arte clown. Okay. So, so like, you know, high art, like super dramatic clowning. He comes home <laughs> to Bakersfield california and the only job he can get is at a um rodeo and he's trying to do commedia della arte clowning <laughs> as a rodeo clown 
<laughs> and it's just so good. And the, like, I watched the ending, the f- finale of the show. I watched it once. I cried my eyes out. Well, I went to work the next day and I came home and I said, all right, if it makes me cry again, I know it was real. Cause, <laughs> cause like I kind of binged three episodes in a row. Yeah. Um, I was like, but you know, maybe I was having a bad day. I watched it again, bawled my eyes out. <laughs> and then I said, there's no fucking way. And I put the episode on again, <laughs> watched it and cried. I was like, Oh my God, this is such a good show. <laughs> Interesting. Wow. Okay. Is it, do you say it was just one season or is it? It's four, four seasons and it's, cool. it's just very dry humor. If you like dry humor, there's a whole episode where um they're bringing in furniture and Louie Anderson as the mom is like, close the door behind you. You're going to let in a cricket. It's cricket season. <laughs> Don't let in a cricket. And they're like, you know, so they move all the furniture in and someone tells a joke and it just doesn't land. And you hear one chirp from the cricket. She's like, oh, <laughs> see what you did. See what you did now. What about you? Tell me, tell me some of yours. TV wise. My favorite is the OA. I petitioned for you. I didn't watch it. <laughs> you petitioned. For, oh, oh, did you, you signed it? You signed the petition. Yeah. You said something about it that they were going to cancel. I was like, no, Yep. Jordan likes yep. the show too much. I appreciate it. Uh, it didn't work, unfortunately. Oh no. But, uh, it's okay. I'm, I'm, I think I've passed through all of the the stages of grief for that show. But the creators are making a new show, hmm. uh, which is good. So I am very much looking forward to that. Really into Bob's Burgers right now. I'm finishing up Golden Girls classic that is like still funny today. It still has me howling at the TV. Right now I'm in like I'm watching uh, a lot of like D&D campaigns, which is taking up a lot of my time. Like on Twitch? Uh, or no so uh you know college humor okay yeah they have a, a streaming service now called dropout and they have a collection of D campaigns so it's D, but uh like with comedians like it's it's from the people who who run college humor and it's just okay. fucking hysterical it's such a good time but there's like 14 episodes per campaign and each episode is like two hours long so it's a very long commitment so I've not dedicated a lot of time to TV lately. It's always been like here and there when I'm having lunch or dinner or something. Did you ever think you would watch other people play a game? And I'm I'm not saying this condescendingly <laughs> because I like that's what I use to watch me go to sleep as I watch people play video games. Yeah. Did you ever think that, that I'm not sure I was ever at a point in my life where I was like, "Oh wow, I'm above that." Like, "Oh, people watch people play video games." Like, I'm I'm above that. I don't think I ever had that moment, but mm-hmm. I will say it was a very recent thing that I started watching people play video games like i'll have twitch on in the background when i work just to have something on so yeah it's weird like i i'm a younger sibling so i'm used to watching people play video games oh yeah okay (laughs) because you never get to play when you're the younger sibling Um, so i don't know why i just got super into it someone actually got me into it but i imagine watching a DD campaign is a a little similar to that right i've never played DD, so i don't know it's a lot of like there's not a lot of visual stimulation it's really just a bunch of people sitting around a table just talking to each other uh but through that talk they're kind of building a story and an environment and uh what makes it so alluring and so magnetic is just like the crazy there are very creative ways that these characters navigate their story and it's they're comedians like their their job is improv and 
and to be funny. So they make the situations so funny. And that's, that's really the draw of it. Uh, so if you need a login, if you're ever curious, let me know. I'll, uh, I'll let you borrow mine. Um, I'd recommend it to anyone. It's a great time. I, people have tried to get me to play D and like I'm invited to D and D games all the time. Mm-hmm. I, I watched the D and D episode of community. Yep. And I'm like, I can't do that. Like I, I'm, <laughs> I don't have a very good imagination. Gotcha. Because my imagination is automatically cheat. Like that's what my imagination tells me to do. <laughs> so if someone's like, you know, we casted a spell, you can't go over the bridge. And it's like, all right, well, I'm going to get on my dragon. They're like, you don't have a dragon. It's like, you don't know what I have. <laughs> Uh, so I actually got into D and D with my work group, uh, and it inspired Nick actually through Nick hearing about my campaign and then watching dimension 20 with him. He was like, I want to do this. So I am now dungeon mastering his campaign with a group of our friends. So I'm very much into it now. And, uh, there are, (laughs) there are ways around that kind of thinking. Uh, but I can imagine if you have to be in it and you have to be willing to like, put yourself into another character and like I, I it's it's not for everyone and it's it's a very long process it's very drawn out it's not like a quick thing it takes weeks and weeks and hours of prep and stuff so uh but if you don't want to put in that work and you just want to enjoy other people doing it dimension 20 is the way to go it's a it's a great it's a great show okay so i i remember us talking to me and this girl in college used to get to class at the same time but we get there 40 mm. minutes early. Oh so my God. We, so we would just sit in silence for three weeks across the hallway from each other, just sitting in the hallway on the floor. And eventually mm. I said like, like, hello. Yeah. That seems like, like, like a, like a romantic movie, just waiting for you to, to take that opportunity. <laughs> right. In my mind, it was more like a cold war. Like it was like, <laughs> It was like a North Korean soldier and a South Korean soldier looking across the, the demilitarized zone. Got it. So I was like, hello. And anyway, we started talking and she got into D&D because her boyfriend mm. was into D&D. And he, so I'd ask her about it, like, how's it going? How's D&D going? It was D&D night mm. last night. She's like, we're still building our characters. And I'm like, what, yeah. what the fuck is this game? Like, you guys haven't yep. started yep. yet? She's like, no, we haven't started yet. <laughs> I'm like, and and people, I get that now. Like, <laughs> and people get mad at me for wanting to play Monopoly. They're like, it takes forever. I'm like, y'all are still playing D and D. It should took months. It yeah, it does take a while. That's very. Wait, do you like just casually enjoy Monopoly? I love Monopoly. Really interesting. I have, a, I have a tactic for always winning Monopoly. I'm near undefeated. I see. Are you willing to share that tactic, or is this a uh, closely held secret? Well, there's two parts of the tactic. The one part I'm going to keep secret. Okay. Which is the real the real skill and that works about 40 percent of the time okay if you're about to tell me be the banker i'm gonna be upset well i like being the banker but that's i don't like cheat like being the okay banker. <laughs> i'm i'm fair but what i do is i slowly change my money in for one dollar bills so by the end of the game when you owe someone like a thousand dollars and it's 3 30 in the morning you're like <laughs> One, two, three, and everyone fucking quits every single time. Oh my god! <laughs> you you land on boardwalk once, and they're like, "You owe me six thousand dollars." You're like, "All right, get ready to count." They're like, "It's three a.m. You win. I don't even care." <laughs> it's one way to do it, I guess. That's uh, 
God, I can't remember the last time I played Monopoly. Jeez. If I ever get into D&D, my character is Monopoly Man. <laughs> What's your hidden gem movie? God, I actually was not prepared to answer these myself. Uh, I mentioned this in another episode with another guest. I don't know if it's coming out before or after you, but uh, I mentioned The Brothers Bloom. Have you heard of that one? Yeah, that's a recent movie, right? Like uh, 2000s? Yeah, definitely past 2000s. Uh, I don't know what year. Yeah, who's in that Let's movie? See. So it's Adrian Brody yes. and uh, Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, I never saw it, but I remember it. That was yeah. it was in like the blockbuster era. Wasn't it like the end of blockbuster? Um 2008 is when it came out. I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of the end of blockbuster. Sure. <laughs> uh but it's about con men. They're basically like these kids that grow up to be con artists. And I told the other guest this that like I've seen it so many times and I still don't understand it. Like there's so many like twists and turns and like did he really do this or was this fake kind of thing? And, uh, but like, I still have an incredible time watching it. Um, and I think like an ex of mine had brought it to my attention at one point. Uh, and like, I'd never heard of it before that I'd never heard of it after either. So, uh, that's one that I try to recommend to people because it's just a really fun time. And Ryan Johnson directed it, who also did knives out. And I fucking oh, love, love knives, knives out. out. Fucking yeah. Love yeah. knives out. Have you seen Matchstick Men with Nicolas Cage? I have not. It's a it's a con man movie. Are you a Nicolas Cage fan or are you I wasn't until I watched Pig. Have you seen that yet? Have not seen it yet. That movie was phenomenal and a large part because of Nicolas Cage. I would very much recommend that movie if you've not seen it already. Oh, I'm in the camp that he's a genius. So this, I don't, I don't need convincing. It's just whenever I get around to it. Gotcha. So I, yeah, I think he's amazing. I don't, I don't understand how someone could hate him. That dude, <laughs> that dude is, he's distilled acting down so much that if you don't like what he's doing, it means it's a bad script. I think for me, he always started in movies that like were sort of outside of my interests like he did a lot of action movies that i just never really cared to watch um and then things like like kick-ass came out he was kind of zany in that one um and i've heard was it mandy that he was in that i just did not care for um he just did a lot of stuff that i just was not really that interested in but then i saw pig and i was like who is this man i've never seen this man before in my life he's phenomenal he's incredible so I think I'm converted, I think, at least for now, until his next crazy zany action movie comes out. Yeah, and I'm I'm in the exact same camp. Like, I don't need to watch uh, a Nicolas Cage shooting guns, shoot him up movie. Yeah. I don't need to. But, like, Face Off? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, John Travolta, Nicolas Cage? Yeah, yeah, I'm about that kind of movie. <laughs> it's been so long since I've seen that movie. My God. Has it, have you seen it recently? Does it hold up? No, last time I saw it was like 2017, but it's enough for me to remember how awesome it is. <laughs> uh, to wrap this up, uh, what is a movie hot take that you have? And this question was inspired by you, actually, um, just because <laughs> I know what my film hot take is. I know that you know what my film hot take is. Um, so I'm curious to hear what what yours would be. So... Obviously, people think that I have a lot of hot takes on movies. Yes. <laughs> um, I know what yours is. We don't have to talk about it anymore. 
no no um <laughs> however uh <laughs> i i have so many that i couldn't really pinpoint but what i did narrow down was the one that people get the most mad at me for okay is i think one of the least funny movies i've ever seen in my entire life was mean girls all right well thank you joe for being on uh hope you have a great night (laughs) hanging up now and if you don't want to talk about that the second movie that i just don't understand how people think is funny is bridesmaids Ooh. okay okay the first time was a joke (laughs) this one i'm like genuinely goodbye (laughs) (laughs) yeah holy shit i don't think i knew this about you yeah i can't Huh. I've watched them both several times over the years as maybe I'm, you know, just an angsty teenager and they're not funny. <laughs> maybe I'm just an angsty early 20s person and they're not funny. Maybe I'm depressed and they're not fu- whatever. I'm like, no, these I saw a BuzzFeed article that said that it confirmed what I said. Uh-huh. And I like shed a tear. Oh, like I felt ungaslit for a, a nice. brief minute. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> There's someone out there like it was saying that both of these movies were not as good as everyone said, or yeah, it was it was a BuzzFeed article that said like it was like hot takes. Mean Girls blew up, I think, because of how quotable it became and how memeable it became. Like I remember the first time I watched it was high school. I'm sure like many other people, and I hadn't heard about it until all of my friends were like, "Oh my god, you haven't seen that movie? It's so great!" So I think I was sort of like pushed into the fandom and i think it's just stuck until then um i think it was like relatable in a sense that like it was one of the first gay high school characters that i had seen portrayed Mm -hmm. so i kind of related on on that in that sense i don't know i thought i thought some of i thought the jokes landed i I think it's an entertaining movie i also uh don't like tina fey and amy poehler that's wow that's part of it yeah okay Tina Fey more so. I th- I'm like, I don't understand how she ever got out of Upper Darby. I just don't, <laughs> I don't get it. The only, t- the only time she really made me laugh hard was in Kimmy Schmidt. I was, that's, I was going to bring that up. Yeah. Yeah. When she says, there's a line, she goes, we're going to figure this out. Like two lesbians replacing a water heater. <laughs> and that in my mind Anytime I, I'm confronted with a problem, it's we're going to figure this out. Like two lesbians replacing a water heater. <laughs> there are some hysterical moments in Kimmy Schmidt. Titus Andromedon, I <laughs> will stand by this, is genuinely one of the funniest characters in television history. And oh, I stand yeah. by that. I, He's so fucking funny. I will second that. I love Titus Andromedon. <laughs> so I can appreciate her writing. And I think like it's very much reflected in Mean Girls. Like it's clearly it same came from the same creator. I don't know. I enjoy it. I and I think also I can say the same about Bridesmaids because that came out in high school as well. That it was just like it was a movie that everyone kind of talked about and we just kind of all related to it. And because that one also came out very like memey and quotable also. So I guess that was the draw, but clearly you were not a part of those trains. Yeah, I just, I feel like someone said, like, wouldn't it be funny if they all got diarrhea? <laughs> like, yeah, that'd be hilarious. All right, but someone's going to poop in the sink. And it's like, why? Like this, Wait a second, wait a second. Doesn't that so happen? the diarrhea you were on board with, but diarrhea in the sink, that's crossing a line? I just meant like they, like, over-the-topped it. 
Like oh, if, I see. if you okay. just had one, if you far. just had one character having diarrhea in the sink, I'd probably be more into it. Gotcha. But it has Rose Byrne in it, so I have to love it because Rose Byrne doesn't know it yet. Yes. But she's in love with me. It's a whole <laughs> thing. It's a whole thing. I feel the same way, and I know I can't imagine you would agree with me, but I forever love Melissa McCarthy. I, I think she's fantastic. I love her so much. She's probably the best part of that movie to me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not like, are you a Mike and Molly fan? No. I, well, it's not that I'm not a fan. It's that I've not seen it. So I, 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 I don't know. Gotcha. What was that movie with Jason Bateman where she steals his identity? Oh, uh, I think it's identity thief. I think that's just <laughs> what it's called. She's, yeah. she's really, I liked her in that. Yeah. Um, and she's, she's had some roles. I know the movies she's notorious for, uh, or I guess, her husband is notorious for making bad movies. Like the ones that she's in that he's made are not the best. Oh. Uh, but like some of her, her appearances on SNL, I think are like some of the funniest skits that I've ever been on that show. Like she just kills it. Oh my God. The hidden Valley ranch dressing skit. Classic. Like <laughs> absolutely. One of my favorites. No joke. <laughs> oh, so good. Hidden Valley ranch party. And my mouth. My mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So good. Yes, yes. I'm glad we can agree on that. That's that's good. After an hour and 30 minutes, through thick and thin, <laughs> through shining and bridesmaids, at the end of the day, there's a Hidden we Valley Ranch party in our mouths. <laughs> well, thank you, Joe. I really appreciate you coming on. I hope you had fun. Thank you. I did have fun. I had an awesome time. Do you want to plug anything as an outro on your way out? I designed a book cover for a very good friend of mine. His name is David Hale Sylvester, and the book is called One Hug at a Time, 99 Stories. I have such a bad fever right now. 99 Stories from the Man Who Embraced the World. That's the title? Uh, it's called One Hug at a Time. The, the subtitle is 99 oh, Stories from the Man Who Embraced the World. And I designed that book. Even if you want to look at it on Amazon, it'd just be like, wow, that cover is so cool. Or if you want to buy it, <laughs> I really don't care if you buy it. I really do, because it's my friend, and I hope he has success. <laughs> Well, I will link that in the description so people can look for it if they want to buy it. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. All your hate mail can be directed to at Joseph Stingle on Instagram. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs>